Welcome to Awakening to Golf. It's Monday, March 28th. I'm Al Owens. You can find out more about myself and my coaching from my website, alowenscoaching.com. So we've come through uh, the winter, and uh, today I wanted to talk about a uh, topic of mental aspects for successful shot making. There are basically three aspects to this, and it's something I think every golfer really needs to uh, hone in on and become good at. Over the last several months with on-course lessons, I've had players, uh, and I've seen them play, and these situations that we're going to cover today really come up uh, and becomes uh, what I would call like red flags in my mind when I see players approach playing on the course certain ways and they uh, they're just not aware of uh, other aspects of what good shot making really comes down to so successful shot making comes from proper mental aspects in a golf shot and today we're going to talk about that so the master's week is next week and that's kind of why i wanted to start the spring series and when i used to live in the midwest uh Knowing the Masters was coming up, golf courses would uh, ignite with new play out here on the West Coast. That's really not the uh, case here in the United States. But when I was in the Midwest, um, back in the back in the 90s and 80s, um, lots of snow would have been happening. People start to see the Masters on TV, and it's like, okay, hey, we're back to golf, and this winter thing is over. Justin Thomas tweeted this morning, uh, seven nights until Augusta. So, you know, all tour players at the highest level who have the select invitation to play at the Masters are very aware of it. Some may not even play this week uh, at the Valero Texas Open because they'll go into Augusta early and uh, play. This is something like Jack Nicholas used to do. He would not play a week before a major. He would go in uh, maybe the Thursday or Friday of the week before, play the course, um, and basically hang around there for seven to ten days. Not golfing every day, but uh, definitely focused on uh, Augusta National. So, you know, people who play the game today, golf is very much so a power game. And as you can see, Scotty Scheffler has now vaulted himself to the number one player in the world. Uh, and he's what, won three tournaments uh, and really has aspired to, I mean, a top player. Always had a good swing, and as we see players in their 20s now, most of the top 10, I don't know the exact percentage, I think five of the top, all top five are under are in their 20s who are ranked number in the top five in the world. So the Tiger era, all these players who were uh, emulating Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods and got into golf, they're really coming to the forefront. They've worked on their game. They have a power game. Uh, and then people who are winning are going to have a really powerful mind. So golf is not always about the swing, and of course that's why I do this series called Awakening to Golf. So playing Augusta National, very challenging. The course very hilly, uh, much more terrain than you would ever give it credit for. I have a couple of my students who are going to Augusta uh, next week, and they're really excited to go there and watch couple of them have homes uh, their businesses have are renting for them uh, one uh, has four business associates they they've got a chef who will be cooking meals for them while they'll they'll be walking the hollow grounds of Augusta National I just told them I said when you're done each night you'll be exhausted from walking the course because it is so hilly much more hilly than uh, you really understand by watching it on TV uh, Augusta National is very precise in uh, landing areas, fast greens, a lot of tiered areas, and you have to know where to miss shots. That's why people who play there more and more uh, start to learn the nuances of the course, and they understand that proper shot making and, of course, planning is always uh, the thing that's needed there. Generally, there's uh, no rough at Augusta National. I remember the first time I was there, we walked. This was 1992. We walked from uh, the uh, where I got through the gate, walked up by the golf course and the clubhouse, and I'm out on the what was the rough, uh, which looked like a fairway to me. I mean, the, the grass was so small and so uh, so short there, and we were uh, 
near these, uh, out about these uh, ropes that hold the spectators in. And the person I'm with, one of the assistants I'm working with uh, back in Indiana, he goes, no, he goes, the fairway's over here. That's the fairway. So the fairway looked like putting green where I came from, from Indiana. So uh, Augusta National doesn't have much rough. I mean, it has some, much more than it did uh, 20 or 30 years ago when I was there. But for the most part, everyone kind of knows, of course, going to play fast. There's not much rough. Uh, the, the course itself just likes talking about it being first cut and second cut up grass. They don't even use, like using the word rough. The course is very hilly and very fast green. So you have to have really good visualization when you play Augusta National. Your imagination is everything because you people will go in and practice and they'll practice different shots because they know uh, they're going to have to hit high shots and soft shots, um, control the ball spin, things like that. So it's a very visual course. And um, so on days, on years ago when I would travel to the PGA show in um, West Palm in uh, West Palm Beach or uh, Orlando, we would take a trip uh, and go through Jacksonville, and I would play the TPC Sawgrass, where the Tour Champ, the Players Championship, was held a couple weeks ago. So I mention this because. Uh, when I knew I was going to be playing the TPC, uh, there was a video game, uh, and I don't even remember the name of it. It couldn't have been Tiger Woods game because Tiger hadn't even been on the scene yet. So it was some video game where you're playing um, the TPC, and maybe it was a, a, a PGA Tour video game, but basically I would watch and play this game on my TV constantly in preparation to go play uh, the TPC Sawgrass. So when I got to the course, I knew every every hole, and I, and I played the TPC Sawgrass six times. We played it uh, going down to Orlando once and then back up to Indiana. We did that three years in a row. So each year before I did it, I would definitely uh, get on this video game. I'm not much of a video game, video game person, uh, but I would play this, and you start to understand what the course looks like. You can visualize your shots. You create shots, things like that. So when I got to the TPC courses, well, I knew what it looked like, although I had never been there. And each year when I would practice it more on the video game, it surely dawned on me. It's like, wow, it's playing this course is very visual, just like playing the video game. And that's kind of what turned my whole career into uh, learning about coaching more and then eventually writing books and doing podcasts now because doing that video game and then playing the TPC Sawgrass, uh, I quickly learned that golf is so visual when you're playing. And today we have three topics that we're gonna talk about. Visualization is surely one of them. And I, I learned that dynamically by playing the TPC at Sawgrass. Although I had never been there before, um, the course depends on what team you, you play from. Uh, generally we're there in, in January and back then uh, the tournament was always held uh, in the beginning of March so they were preparing it we would be there playing late January early February uh, based on where the PGA show was held in Orlando so the course was being prepped in preparation for it uh, a couple years you could well one year they were building grandstands but generally courses build them over a one to four week period but the course conditions were there and playing the course especially like the ninth hole which is like this little double dog leg. You have to hit a long drive right over. Your next shot goes over this creek, uh, up a hill to a left green, which is kind of like going into the left corner of the eighth hole at, at Augusta. But in playing it on the video game, I always miss the ball uh, too far right on this with this tree uh, on the right side of the fairway. For So my third shot was always blocked. So when I played the course, I made sure it's like, well, I'm not gonna get stuck behind that tree. Uh, so even when you're on the course, when you're playing golf, you know what your course looks like uh, and you maybe not map out a game plan, but visually you kind of understand what you're trying to do. Golfers get into this rut when they get to the golf course and they start playing and they start uh, going back to working on their swing. They kind of take their, they've got this visual imagery of what they want to do, especially in a course they've played before. But when they get over the ball, they get stuck and go back to the dogma of, I'm gonna work on my right elbow being stuck to my hip. I'm not gonna sway. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. So they don't do golf swing. You know, they're swing thinking golf technique. So mental aspects of a successful shot making 
are revolved around three areas, and today that's what we're going to talk about. I know as a golfer, everyone's kind of excited to see what's going to happen with uh, Augusta National next week. We've seen online that Tiger, I saw online today that Tiger uh, is walking his course uh, in Florida. Julian LaCava, his caddy, has gone down and they are walking it. He still has not committed to playing or not playing at Augusta. And because of his injuries to his leg, uh, it's a very hilly course. I mean, the, the drop from the first, from the 10th tee down to the bottom of the fairway is uh, over 100 feet. So uh, where the clubhouse hit, sits and then you go way down to Ray's Creek where uh, the 13th green is, it is an enormous drop in land. So TV just does not do it justice. So it'd be great to see Tiger make that. But walking a flat course in Florida compared to walking Augusta National is a completely different story. And of course, he'd have to get in four rounds. If he went there, he'd probably just practice a short game on the range, maybe play nine holes if he was there on Tuesday or Wednesday. Hopefully play the par three, because everyone would love to see that. And maybe his son, uh, Charlie, play in it also with a more caddy for him. So we're excited to see what will happen next week uh, with the Masters. Maybe maybe Tiger will show up. Uh, people who play the golf course, who are successful at Augusta, all have prior knowledge of the course. They're always using visualization. They're obviously working on honing their shot making, um, whether because it's a hilly course, you have to have shots that come in high, you have to have great short games. So they're all preparing for that. But the week that you're there, the preparation for the game is over. So as golfers, we've all gone through the winter and the fall now. You've had your chance to work on your game. And we're going to go into the season. And we want to set the stage to perform this season with great mental aspects for your successful shot making. So golfers, the work of the swing is done. If if it hasn't been done, obviously during, during your year, you can always go work and practice on that. But... When the rubber hits the road, when you're on the course, we're never thinking golf swing, we're thinking shot making. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back. Today we're talking about three aspects of golf that everyone has to have for successful shot making. So here in segment two, I kind of want to put this uh, quote in front of you. Jack Nicholas once said, a successful shot is 50% visualization, 40% setup, 10% swing. Now, for many of you, that may seem like a odd balance in the equation of percentages. Simply put, good golfers know that you know, your swing is your swing when you're on the course. So when you're in your winter or in the fall, you've been working on your swing. So we go into the spring and you're playing golf. We've got to be uh, more fine-tuned with what we're doing on the course. You know, so the spring is uh, like a nurturing time, rebirth, new beginnings. That's kind of what's happening with the spring and it's just starting. And although here in California, uh, it's basically you're always playing golf. Uh, for many p- people in the rest of the country, uh, they'll be uh, springing into the new golf year. Uh, and hopefully you've had a chance to work on your game, whether you're in a, a golf tech indoors or you're in a simulator indoors. Simulators are all over uh, the country now. It's really interesting that here in the San Diego area, uh, there's literally a shortage of golf courses. So uh, simulators are starting to pop up, which when I coached in Minneapolis for a year, there were several simulators there, but you can understand why golf simulators would be there in the dead of winter. People are ice fishing. It's very cold. There's snow everywhere. Uh, so indoor simulators were very popular uh, in, in Minnesota when I was, when I was there uh, in uh, 2004 to five. Uh, here in California... Uh, because of shortage of golf courses and the demand for golfers, indoor simulators are growing. Uh, so it's a great place to relax, uh, still work on your golf game, and they're kind of fun. Uh, some have uh, beverages with uh, uh, beers and things like that, so some people really go there for that. Other people have been in a simulator here, uh, indoors here, and many people people are in there looking at the shot data. They're kind of working on their swings, uh, so in a 
this particular simulator uh, I've been into here, three uh, simulation bays, uh, uh, and the fourth one I was there the, the other day. Fourth one, there's a couple of golfers that are very serious about their swing, looking at data from the ball that the simulator is getting them, and then the other three bays are uh, basically people having a good time. So. Although golf is very popular and is even more popular now since the pandemic, um, we've always had a chance to work in our game, and hopefully over the winter you've had a chance to do that. So visualization uh, is a really big part of golf, and that phrase that Jack Nicholas has put in there saying that uh, 50% of golf is visualization may kind of strike you as odd, but... Uh, there was about a month ago I played with his student, uh, and he's, he has a very good swing. He's very dedicated to the type of swing he wants. Uh, this player, uh, I mean, he's very set in his mind about specifics of the swing, and I kind of work with him to help him help him uh, find the aspects that he wants in his swing. He's, he definitely has a plan of in his mind of the swing itself, uh, a couple of tour players he likes to have a swing uh, revolve around and I've kind of worked with them on that so we went to go play the course about a month ago and uh, you know when we coach indoors uh, like at golf tech and you're uh, we have used what we call optimotion and we've got uh, cameras that are capturing what your body's doing there's ball data from the flight monitor and you can project the shot up onto a screen where you can see the ball flight so is very visual in there. There's a lot of visualization, and you can use it to the full degree that you want when you're practicing indoors, whether it would be a golf tech or a, a simulator somewhere. So visualization can always be done, although when people practice indoors, they tend not to do it. They get wrapped up in the dynamic of the swing. They've got a camera showing them what the club is doing. They've got a ball flight data telling them what the ball is doing. You know, the path of the club is so, so many degrees to the right, the face is so many degrees to the left vice versa, how much how much launch does a ball have, how much side spin does it have, how fast is the ball going. So a lot of people when they're practicing or working on the swing indoors, they get all wrapped up in the, uh, the dynamics of the swing, the ball, stuff like that. But when they get the golf course, you know, they're not, they don't pay nearly as much attention to special dynamics on a golf course as they do in a hitting bay. So about a month ago, I'm out with a player at a course here and in the bay, he's right. Uh, uh, he works diligently on pre-shot routine, ball setup. Where's his ball position? He has a little backswing move where he uh, makes a little mini backswing before he hits the shot. Uh, works on hitting the ball over a specific target right in front of him. It's about two feet in front of him and hitting it into a net. So all these aspects he works on continuously. He generally practices with a mid iron when he comes in and practices. Um, so we're on the course. And we've got to, uh, we get to about the back nine, and I see a trend happening where he basically is missing many shots from 80 to 170 yards left. So when he practices in the bay, the ball's very straight. Uh, his miss would be left. He uh, would draw the ball. He's more likely to draw it than to push it to the right. He has a good swing plane and a good low point, hits the ball first, turfs second. But on the course that specific day, the ball's missing to the left, so we get to had to be like the 14th hole or so, and it's a he had a good uh, a good tee shot out there, and he's uh, about 150 yards out. Uh, the ball kind of sat in a little valley after his tee shot. He hits to a green, which uh, has a small bunker to the left front of it. Uh, the pin is back right. the The green. Uh, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's about, it's 40, 50 feet wide, maybe 70 feet deep, a little bunker to the right. It's not a, you know, perfect square, but it looks like a square. The back corner is where the pin is. And he hits the shot and he pulls it left, which he'd been doing all day. So we dropped another ball in the fairway. And I said, you know, where do you see this ball landing on the green? And uh, the student kind of looks at me with, uh, what I would call an inquisitive look, and he can't really uh, explain where he sees the ball landing. So in the instance here, uh, in that green, there's a little, there's the pins back left. 
he hits a draw, and the front right of the green, uh, just imagine a shadow of a tree, and the shadow covers the front left corner, and then there's daylight or sunlight right in the middle of the green, and that's where his ball should land, taking that, he's a right-handed player, it would draw in, hit that middle of the green where that sunshine and the, and the uh, shadow of the tree meet, and the ball would release back to the, back to the pin. So Lyman McClain explaining this to him, and I said, you know, that's where the ball should, should land. And he doesn't really practice this. You know, he practices uh, setup, diligent pre-shot routine, uh, picking a line for the ball to take off over, which is two feet in front of him, but he doesn't connect the dot from two feet in front of him to the landing spot on the green. Now, when he's near the green and he chips and putts, he does do this. He picks a spot specifically where he wants the ball to land, whether it's going to run out or he's going to stop it with a lofter uh, pitch shot or sand wedge. So he does that inside 80 yards, but he does not do it from 80 to 170 yards. And this was the conundrum that we found out there. So visualization is a huge part of playing golf. And many people are unaware that they are visual with part of their game, but they're really not visual with all of their game. So even when I'm coaching people in a bay, uh, I'll try to work on visualization uh, with uh you know, hitting to a target. Now, where I coach, the, the, there, I used to coach in Chicago where the, the, the visual shot is projected onto a screen and the fairway or the driving range is, is projected on that screen. So it was easy for someone to see the fairway because right in front of them. Where I coach now, these fairways are on a TV to their right. It's on a wall. And that's where they see the course. They see the fairway, the green, things like that. And the net is just a white net. But many people say, well, I, I can't take, I just can't visualize a shot on a net uh, because there's nothing there, which, in fact, that's not really true. You know, when you're actually hitting a shot, you're using the picture in your mind of where you want the ball to go anyway. So uh, I learned quickly working uh, years ago with uh, TVs, with hitting shots to a TV on, on the wall. It's just a matter of planting the picture in your mind of where you want the ball to land. The more you do it, and I've got exercises, I work with people on this, the more you do it, the better you become refined on it. Uh, and you just, it's like anything else, it becomes a habit and you start getting accustomed to hitting visually to specific spots. Maybe it's a little more challenging with the TV to your side rather than a, a net right in front of you. But in either case, it is all visual. So in this particular instance, about a month ago on the course, this player does not pick spots on the green. And if we don't pick that spot on the green, we don't have a picture of the shot. We can't, we're not picturing uh, a target. We're not, really, we're not really insisting to the universe what shot we want. So I always give people the analogy of like, if you're playing a game of darts and you need eight to win and you just start throwing the dart at the dartboard, it's like, well, the chance of you hitting eight is not very good. You know, so golf is very, uh, it's very visual by your intention. So when we're on the course, I started to tell him, it's like we have to have an intention of where we want the ball to land. And remember, he does it inside 80 yards. I mean, inside 70 yards and near the green, he has the intention. He visualizes it. But outside of it, he's more enamored with the starting line. The ball goes over the spot. It will land where it should. And as we saw, that's not true. So visualizing what you're wanting to do on the golf course is very, very important. So we've come out of the winter. And we're into the spring, and you've been working on your game, if you're a diligent golfer, and your swing is your swing. And when we go to the golf course, and I know this is easier said than done, but when you're on the course, you're there to play. You're there to swing. You're there to hit the ball. You're there to achieve something. You're there with intention of where you want the ball to go. So visualization of where you see that ball landing as I said before in other podcasts, you could see the curve of the ball. You could see the curve from visually from behind you. Uh, as I mentioned before, I've taught people, uh, the high school golf team I used to coach, we would go to the back of greens when we would first see a course for the first time. And we'd sit on the back of the green and look back at the tee. And I would teach the players to visually see the course from behind the green. I had to walk them back there to teach them how to see it. 
Uh, at first, some people kind of don't like that idea. But if you get to the back of green, especially in like a par three course, you see the green. You can see how big the green is because obviously from the fairway always looks small. You get up to the green. Oh, my gosh, the, big, the green is so big. So, you know, your mind starts to overcome those objections. So visualization is a big thing. Some people visualize shots actually from themselves standing in the back of the green and can see the ball landing as they visually catapult their body to the back of the green. Some people put their body to the side of the fairway. Jason Day does this a lot in visualizing the, the height of the shot. Some people, it's just, hey, I'm behind the shot. I can see how much is going to occur, right or left, fade or draw, whatever it is, and you can pinpoint where you want the ball to land. So with this particular student, he was not doing that. And this goes back to what Jack Nicholas is saying. 50% of golf is visualization. Now, that's a big statement, but I totally, totally agree with that. And it's something you really should consider and work on this coming year because it's awfully, awfully true. Your swing is your swing. When you go to the course, you have to start to score in scoring or shot making, which is what Jack, Jack Nicholas is talking about. Shot making is 50% visualization. We'll come back and talk about the next high percentage topic that Jack has mentioned. Welcome back to Awakening to Golf. So today we're talking about the mental aspects for successful shot making. And here in segment three, we're going to talk about uh, one of the topics that Jack Nicholas has mentioned. And what he stated was 40% of successful shots come from a, a good routine. So on my website, alowenscoaching.com, I have a PDF book, which is free. You can download it there. And the title of it is Seven Items You Must Consider Before Your Next Shot. So the seven items are basically items that you consider for a pre-shot routine. So it's a free PDF download. I certainly uh, invite you to to download it, look at it. Uh, Like I would tell anyone, uh, take what you like from it throughout the rest. So, but pre-shot routine is exactly that. We're creating a pre-shot routine uh, before every shot. So why is that important? And as I said before on our podcast series, the pre-shot routine is putting you into a habit pattern. It's training your subconscious mind to do things the same way each time and you're finding a routine that works for you like the book on the pdf file suggests seven certain areas um i'm sure if you've you know read anything about pre-shot routines or read a bob rotella book things like that they're all in there so it's your way of you know how you find your routine is up to you there are aspects to it that you have to have and that book talks about it um but the routine is there because we need uh, preparation for the shot. And it helps you to balance uh, things before you hit a shot. So the routine is really important because, uh, as the, my book suggests, a routine really starts before you're uh, walking up to the next shot. So this, this last weekend, I'm uh, playing with uh, a student who hasn't been playing very long. Um, maybe about this year, he's due to get his club fitting the, this next week. And this is the first time I was on a course with him. And we're uh, at a course called Balboa 9 here. It's a little short course here. Uh, we're walking up the fifth hole. Um, he had a good drive uh, up the right side of the uh, fairway, hit an approach shot on the green. So he's on and two on a regulation. As we're walking up, I'm pointing out to him, it's like the green is back to front. Your ball is 90 degrees to the pin. The pin's kind of left center of the green, and his pin, his ball was left of it. So basically on greens sloping uh, back to front, if you're even with the pin or pin high, 90 degrees to the, to, to the pin, the putt's going to have its most break there. So as you're walking into shots or walking up to shots, you know, your, your routine actually starts from the moment you're walking into the shot because you're collecting data. So... Part of routine is I collect data, finding out is my next shot going to be uphill or downhill. And you're always looking at things. Now, when you're in a cart, it's kind of hard to do that because you're going from one spot to the other. If you're in a cart, you're probably with someone and their ball's over in position X and your ball's in position Y. Uh, 
So it makes it a little more uh, challenging because uh, you're having to be concerned about the other player's ball and go find it, things like that. But the just of the story is when you walk up to the green or you're getting to the green, you're observing what's the green look like, is there, you know, what's the terrain look like, and that's part of the routine. That's kind of what I was explaining to the player. You know, part of your routine is you're, you get to the, let's say we're, we've missed the green and we have to hit a chip shot. You know, where do we want the ball to land? Uh, how do we want it, how, what type of shot do we, do we see? Is it a high one or a low one? Can you see it uh, hit and check, or are you just going to, like, skid it across the green? Things like that. So that routine is very important, and it's, you know, setting the stage for you to do things habitually. When you become, when your routine becomes a habit, uh, A, you're much less likely to have swing thoughts. You're much less likely to, to be worried about the shot. So even when you're leaving one green and going to the next tee, you're, you know, you've left the green, you're walking to the tee, the next hole comes to you. Let's say we go back to the tee and we're walking to the fifth tee. The, the player who was, uh, we're just mentioning who's up on the green there. Let's we're leaving the other tee, the fourth green, and we're, he hasn't not played the course before in his life. So I'm telling him, you know, it's about a 350 yard hole straight away. You're going to hit your driver. Uh, the fairway slopes right to left. So when you're walking up to a green, a tee, you're, you're you know, taking all the data in. So your routine is always part of gathering data. And then a good routine is when you're over the ball, you've gone through a set, maybe a checklist, which is what my book suggests to you. But at the end of the day, you want to have a routine that's efficient and where you don't get bogged down. So when we're on the course, uh, I was on a course last week with another player, and he has a he has a good routine, very deliberate about his routine. And his situation was he'd been working on his alignment for quite a bit, and uh, takes a good practice swing, walks into the ball, but he's so enamored with the alignment of getting his club face aligned to the starting target. On some shots, he would take much more time than others. And as I'm watching uh, him do this, you can just see uh, he's very focused on it. And some shots, uh, he couldn't get the alignment perfect. So when you're aligning a club face to a target line, you know, there's, uh, you don't want to have to wait too much time and try to be too exact at it. And in this case, he became very consumed in the pre-shot routine of, is my face aligned exa exactly where I am? And then I'm going to step into it. But you could see he was totally enamored with aligning the shot rather than the shot at hand. So a good routine uh, has a flow to it. It has, you know, you stand behind the ball, uh, visualize your shot. Some people will do breathing. Some people have a trigger that once they, they, they've kind of picked, pictured their shot, they'll maybe close their glove, uh, rewrap it, or their first step forward is, I'm going to walk into the swing. And now you've committed to the direction, the shot, everything else, you're going to walk into it. And that's what a pre-shot routine is. You kind of gather your information behind it, walking up to the ball. You're behind the ball. You pick the club. Once you walk into it, it's go time. So this particular player, that go time became very delayed when he became too enamored with uh, where the ball, where the club face is pointed. And on several shots... Uh, he could just see he was so focused on where the club face was pointed, never focused on a swing at all. And that's why I think it's a great part of what Jack Nicholas is talking about. 40% of uh, successful shot making comes from a good routine. In this case, with this particular player, his routine became too enamored on one specific topic. The routine is des designed to be quick and concise, shouldn't be more than from the time you're standing behind it, it should not be more than 30 to 45 seconds. Uh, and naturally, for that, that 45 seconds, you're, you've, you're maybe pulling the club from you. So when you stand behind it, uh, it you know, you're kind of finding a timeline or a, a, a time frame that works for you. I'm not suggesting it has to be exact seconds, but there's a flow to it. So a routine has a flow to what it's doing. Just like as a golfer, you know, hey, my swing should have a flow to it. I, should, I need to have rhythm. I shouldn't be rushed, things like that. You'll notice that if you start to work on your routine this year, you'll notice on some swings or some shots, some shot making, you don't have a good flow to your pre-shot routine. You get caught up in one thing too many. 
And there's a balance to it. And the balance is the key for good shot making. And that's what you're trying to get really good at this year. Visualization is one, but the pre-shot routine is another part. Remember, we're talking about these two aspects are 90% of good shot making. So when you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, what about my swing and, and this and that? Well, you've worked your swing. When you go to the golf course and you're playing, I mean, your swing is your swing. If you're warming up and you're hitting a fade, if I'm, if I'm warming up and I'm hitting my driver off the heel and I'm going to fade it for the day, it's like, well, I'm going to the golf course. We're going to hit a fade today. I mean, it's, I'm not going to hit a draw. I can't hit it on the center of the face. So I can't try to change the everything in midstream when I'm playing. That's why you're warming up. You're getting yourself, you know, uh, stretched out. When you warm up, you're trying to hit a good shot, and you're trying to see what is the shot making I'm playing, or what's, you know, can I at least learn to hit it solid, see what my ball flight will be in for the day. So if you're going to play a 20-yard fade with your driver and a 5-yard fade with your irons, so be it. Then go play it that way. You can't try to put a square peg into a round hole over the ball, right? So the routine allows you to have intention of where you want the ball to go, step into it, uh, have a good uh, swing thought. Maybe it could be a swing thought, could just be the target. I know that I play my best golf and I'm just thinking, where's the ball going to land? The target. I don't really, I don't play good golf when I have a swing thought. Uh, if I'm struggling working on my game, I can have a swing thought. If I ever have two swing thoughts, I mean, it's over. Never going to hit a good shot. So basically, your best shots are done by instinct. And when you're instinctual, uh, your subconscious mind is not trying to steer the ship. And when you're by, play by instinct, your conscious mind is stepping in and say, the ball's going to go here. So there's a lot of intention. And when you play with instinct, you play with good intention. So when you have a poor pre-shot routine, this interferes with this. And this is why Jack Nicholas is suggesting this. Remember, Jack has won 20 majors. Um, one of the greatest players of all time. In, in his era, definitely the greatest player. You know, whether or not Tiger is and Jack are better, one's better than the other, you know, that's that's a different that's a different conversation. Jack Nicholas was, you know, he won the Masters in 1986 not because of his superior physical ability. He won it because of drawing upon past visualization, past belief of what he was doing, uh, and as he got into the uh, past the eighth hole, he birdied the ninth, birdied birdie ten, looks at his son Jack, and he goes, you know, I I can see this happening. He then will just basically said, I basically played the rest of the, that back nine based on what he had done previously and other masters. And that's getting back to visualization, belief, routine. And that, that's why these things are really important. Uh, and when you stand over a shot too long, in this case, the player is really enamored with uh, the direction that the club face is pointed. Things aren't going to go well there. So you're going to play your best golf when you have a good flow to the routine and that's something you really should work at everyone's flow is a little different um, but it's something to strive for so visualization of the shot 50 percent successful shot setup 40 percent pre-shot routine so these are two dynamic areas that have a enormous amount of percentages much more than you would have imagined in our next segment, we'll talk about the last part. Welcome back to Awakening to Golf. So as we're starting our spring series, today's topic really are um, mental aspects for successful shot making. And as I've mentioned, uh, Jack Nicholas has a, a formula here. The formula is a successful shot is 50% visualization, 40% setup, 10% swing. So over the fall and winter, you've had a chance to work on your swing. Um, maybe you're going to go into the spring and uh, continue with lessons, obviously. Uh, but when the rubber hits the road, when you're on the golf course, 10% of golf is the swing. That's on the golf course. So you're working on your game when you practice, when you're on a range or you're taking lessons. And over the winter, hopefully you've worked on uh, what I would call, I tell people in the off season, you work on one major aspect of your swing that you're trying to really get improve on. Generally, when I would work on one thing, I would give it three months. And the one thing is a small thing. Uh, currently, like myself, I have a kind of a narrow takeaway, which uh, everyone who plays with me kind of knows that my 
I'm a left-handed golfer, so my left arm doesn't get high away from my body. Uh, and that's just how I swing. So I've tried to uh, widen that arm, uh, which to me feels like it is uh, has a flying elbow over my ear. On video, it looks maybe two inches different than it did four months ago. So it's kind of really funny because feels and reels are different. Um, and that's definitely the same, uh, the truth with me, with me trying to get a little more width in my arc to hit the ball farther because I'm getting older and uh, distance. I don't uh, want to swing faster. I just want to get a little more distance and a wider arc is one way to do it. So on the golf course, uh, that 10% of swing, I'm not thinking about. I'm, I've worked on it. I've practiced it for three months now. And when I'm out on the course, it's just, it is who I am. It's part of what I'm doing. Uh, do I do it every time? No, I mean, I can tell when I go back to my old habit, but I'm not thinking it. In my pre-shot routine, I have a little trigger now that I I work on a feeling of the arm, which is part of my practice swing. But other than that, once I'm over the ball, I don't think about it at all. I'm, once I'm over the ball, I just look at my target, get a good picture in my mind, and go. Um, so when you're 10% of shot making is basically your swing. It's not a technical part of the of the game. I'm not sitting over the shot thinking, okay, my left arm, because I'm a left-handed golfer, should be wider in my backswing. I practice that. So you practice your swing or your game, and you've had time to work on that. If you're playing golf on weekends, you go to the range, maybe it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, you go work on, you know, what it is you're working on. Also, when you practice, you uh, I would tell anyone, do not uh, neglect your short game, chipping, pitching, and putting. Uh, it's really uh, paramount to your golf game. I've had a couple of players uh, who are playing really good golf now. Uh, one of them came in. He's a pilot. and He, uh, he shot uh, 73 the other day. He hit uh, like 15 of 18 greens. Uh, had more putts than he wanted, and he kind of dawns on it. He goes, you know, my swing is getting better. I'm consistently hitting fairways. Uh, I'm consistently hitting greens, and it's starting to gnaw at me that I don't putt well. And I said, well, how much do you practice your putting? He goes, well, not very much. It's like, well, it makes sense. I mean, you were you were working on your swing before, and for you to start to get to score better, because now he's annoyed that he's not breaking par because he's not putting well. So he's kind of going to change his focus and work on his putting during uh, the springtime so he can start to break par and get his handicap from a, uh, he's currently like a two, he wants to get it to a plus one. So that's going to take uh, quite a while to, to do that, you know, to drop your handicap from two to plus one is uh, is a big undertaking because the rubber hits the road and your short game is the, is the key to that. Um, and... Uh, depending on where you are in the country, uh, type of grass around greens. Uh, here in California, the grass around greens in San Diego is very inconsistent. You've got Kikuyu, um, uh, different uh, different blends of grass, so it's very inconsistent. If you go over to Palm Springs, everything is overseed with the rye grass. The rough around the green is like silk. The club just goes right through it. There's no obstacle. Your short game can be very good in Palm Springs and then very traumatic and hard to do here in San Diego based on the on the on the grass. So that's you know part of practice, what what you're working on in your golf game. You start to work on your swing in different different aspects. But the point of you know our topic today is on the course, ten percent of your it's just your swing. So you know, most from a mental aspect, most people think too much about their swing. If if you're hitting a chip shot, you're thinking you could be thinking too much about when do I set my hand, where's my weight, uh, where's the ball position. You know, these are all just parts of uh, the practice that you've done. So, good shot making is 10% swing. Well, the 10% swing is what you've practiced on. It's what you've done. It's who you are. So when you're on the course, you can't be trying to put the square peg into a round hole. We have to be visual with what we want the ball to do. We have to have intent on where we want the ball to go. Our routine, which is 40% of shot making on the course, is setting the stage for a good flow to step in the ball, have good visualization, control your breathing, have solid intent. And we're peop- And so then we have 10% to make the swing. Uh, and we don't want to be overburdened with swing thoughts when we play. That's what your practice is for. 
you go practice these things. And as anyone would know, if you play in the unusual foursome, if you talk to uh, your foursome or a couple groups around you this weekend at a, uh, and when you're having a, a beer afterwards or lunch in the, in the clubhouse with other uh, members of the club and you talk to them, it's like, well, how much, are, how much are you out there working on other parts of your game? Are you working your short game and things like that, pitching and chipping and putting? Most people aren't. You know, they're going to work on their game and when they get into problems on the course is they just swing, they think swing mechanic too much. So, my point in this podcast is your swing is your swing, and when you're on the course, it is what it is. That's why when you're warming up, you see what your shot making is. Warm up, try to hit the ball solid, get it on the center of the face, and then go play as you're playing. I mean, if you're fading the ball, uh, the player I had out here Saturday who first time ever to the Balboa 9, uh, he had a couple shots where he just wasn't rotating his hips very well in the swing, and we've been working on it in the... Uh, in the lessons so he gets to the second hole doesn't make a good hip turn uh and i just mentioned to him it's like hey we have to turn our hips in a backswing to get the sequence of the arms and club together so the ball will take off in a better direction for you when he didn't turn his swing turn his hips he would hit on the heel and the ball would just go dead right so alas he gets to the next tee the par par four make a couple practice swings and I said, okay, so we're going to hit this down the right side of the fairway, make a good practice swing, get the hip turn in it, and hit it. So he just thinks hip turn, gets practice swing, steps over, hits it right down there. So he hit four really good drives, one 260 yards uh, on the sixth hole, drove it to the top of the green, um, top of the hill for uh, a, a really good uh, approach shot in. So he doesn't normally uh, hit shots like this. He was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm really hitting it well. Uh, all I did was have him focus on one thing, turn his hips, and then we focused on the shot at hand. You know, where do we see the where do we see the ball going? Uh, I on this on the sixth hole, I I told him we're going to pick a spot up here, right right corner of the fairway, and we're going to hit it right there. And he just stood over it. You can and I, I had it on video. You can see him look straight at it and just lets it go. And he looks up and he goes, "Well, there it is." And he doesn't play golf a lot, so he is learning. Uh, he doesn't. He's not going to have a lot of objections as he's learning the game. He, I'm, be, I'm just teaching him visualization as a huge part of golf. So he thinks this is the norm. But if you're someone who didn't didn't really understand visualization and didn't really know much about it, you you read golf books and golf magazines like I did growing up, thinking golf is the golf swing. And then you get into the thing. It's like, oh, there's visualization to it. Also, it's like, well, wait, wait a minute. So he doesn't have any bad habits to overcome. You know, I'm kind of shortcutting all those things where he could have wandered with bad thought process. Did not he wouldn't know what that visualization has so much to do with it. I don't have to prove it to him. I'm just showing him visualize where it's going to go. There it's going to go. And when he doesn't, when he doesn't hit a good shot, I pointed out to him, "Well, did you have a good picture in the mind of where you wanted to go?" Well, no, I didn't. Not on that shot. I was thinking about my hips. It's like, okay, fair enough. So those are things. We have to go back and practice on the mechanic of the swing, but when you're on the course, 10% of the swing of your a good shot making is the swing itself, where many people just get bogged down and really don't believe that. They make to the golf that uh, the swing itself, they probably make it 40, 60, 70%, and they don't, they don't, they just exclude the other two major factors that a 18-time uh, PGA major champion is talking about. He's won uh, two U.S. amateurs, so Jack Nicklaus has won 20 major events. Here's one of the I mean, best players of all time telling you that visualization and pre-shot routine are a key to good shot making. And that's my point here in this podcast. I think if you try to look at your 2022 season uh, more from the mental aspect, which is, of course, what the Awakening to Golf podcast series is all about, you start to just chip away at it, you know, one step at a time. Start to uh, drip these ideas and aspects into your golf game. We should find uh, improvement in the game uh, for what's happening. And that's kind of what we're looking for. Welcome back to Awakening to Golf. So next week, the Masters is back to TV uh, it'll be a lot of coverage of it. It'll be great to watch it. Everyone gets all fired up. I mean, golf hits 
the spike of excitement in, for golf in the month of April. And definitely, uh, it's the most watched event of all the majors the entire year. So uh, television, golf courses, uh, golf manufacturers, golf coaching, uh, everyone knows that uh, when the Masters comes, the ramp up of golf is starting. So it's going to get very uh, excited, becomes a, a big centerpiece in golfers' minds, and they'll, you know, generally start watching the Masters. Like if you were a kid, you watch golf on TV and you got really excited. The next thing you want to do is, you know, I want to go to my course and go play nine holes after the TV show is over, after the golf that you saw on TV. So you get all excited when you're playing golf and you see the Masters coming up this this next week. Probably going to be pretty pumped up for the 2022 season. So I want you to remember that there's something I think you should strive to do. That's what I would suggest that. And this whole topic here is what the quote of Jack Nicholas: a successful shot is 50% visualization, 40% setup, 10% swing. So that quote is something you really should take to heart and look at for this coming year. It will make a huge change in your golf game if you can start to chip away and let the dripping of this idea flow into your mind and you start to approach golf from a different perspective. You're always wanting to improve and uh, percentages that I'm giving you here would be probably a lot different than you think. Uh, So I'm asking you to swallow the whole pill, uh, but at least consider what I'm suggesting to hear uh, and see if you can apply it to yourself this coming year. So our spring series, we'll uh, get into more about, uh, you know, the, the season starting, uh, what can we do uh, mentally, what can we do uh, strategically, what can we do on the golf course. Uh, we'll do one, uh, one series here on uh, technology a little bit, what's a good golf ball for you. So uh, I'll bring in someone from Callaway here and we'll talk about that. Uh, but. Basically, our spring series is about, you know, we're going to go back to the course. Uh, we've got to perform. We're going to pl- perform to a higher level in 2022 than we did in 2021. So that's our goal. And I think a great way to start that was the topic that we had today. So, again, this is Al Owens. You can learn more about me from my website, which is alowenscoaching.com. And until next time, uh, keep it in the short grass. And I hope you enjoy the Masters. Uh, of 2022. Thanks for listening in.